I do love the smell of the hunt and the taste of the shunt. Once again, to Won't Stay Dead, the podcast that looks at the murky world of cult and horror films. Yay! Yay! Hey. Um, this episode, we're looking at Brian Usner's uh, Society, um, which is kind of one of those late 80s films that you can't really get past the fashion, <laughs> um, but, but ends, ends up being quite a kind of cool, um, you know, because it's kind of quite Beverly Hills soap opera at the start, and then it kind of gets all gory and weird. Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess I'll start by introducing the um, the the panel. Uh, so um, across the Irish seas, Mr. Paul Doran. Hello. And also young David Hanna. Hello. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the the other thing was that like our last episode was um, our Christmas episode, uh, Black Christmas. So yeah. Yeah. How, 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 like how, a long time ago. I know. Yeah. How, how did it you guys? Was a long time ago. Did you have a good Christmas? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was better than the guys in Black Christmas. <laughs> uh, Fleabag, what about you? Uh, I can't remember. I think it was all right. You, you went, ages ago? You went to Dublin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that wasn't really for Christmas. Oh, okay. Oh, it was kind of around Christmas, wasn't it? It was just before. You, you were you were going just after we recorded, I think. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to see Star Wars. That was mm. yeah. Oh yeah. That was good fun. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars was good. I liked it. Yeah. You in were in Amsterdam, were you? Yeah, Tamsin and I were in Amsterdam for about four days, like over proper Christmas. Um, I had to keep qualifying it every time I told someone I was going to Amsterdam for Christmas because they would go Prop- <laughs> what, proper Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah proper Christmas. <laughs> Like twenty third, but it was kind of weird because we had the whole Christmas build up here, you know, or you know, back home in, yeah. in Belfast, and then um, once we got to Amsterdam, it felt even though Christmas hadn't actually happened, it was like the twenty third of December. It kind of felt that Christmas was already over because we were kind of when yeah. then got into holly, holiday mood, and Amsterdam was really really Christmassy with just you know trees everywhere yeah. and like ice skating and things like that. But um, cool. yeah, you're just kind of in holiday mood, so it kind of the Christmas day we kind of got up in the hotel and you know just immediately got the tram up to like light supply and you know yeah. had some pancakes or something you know that kind of thing so didn't really yeah. Christmas. was it like was it sort of busy on christmas day like loads of places open and... yeah it was really busy it was like um it was just like a normal day you wouldn't have even known like uh i remember walking past like a, a, like an h&m that was open on christmas night at 10 <laughs> 10 p.m Jesus and like um, uh yeah like all the museums were open so like the Rijksmuseum museum was open the van gogh museum was open and, really? Yeah. That's not wow. yeah, on Christmas Day. Yeah, the Stedelijk Museum was open. The Christmas Mar- the Christmas market was open. So and we went ice skating on Christmas, or that was on Christmas Eve. I think we went ice skating, but it was it was open on Christmas Day as well. So yeah, yeah. that was good. Did you fall on your arse loads? I didn't actually. I didn't fall once. Oh. At the start, I, mean, I, was I really, really, would. At the start, I was really scared. <laughs> um, 
Um, but then once I got my confidence up, we were actually doing really, really well. It was like ice skating okay. around. Anyway, oh. anyway, we we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Um, so you're bored about your Anakin skating. <laughs> yeah, private time. So before we talk about society, let's uh, let's talk about what we're drinking. Yeah, crazy pee. Okay, well, I've already started drinking, so um, I am drinking uh, some McKellar uh, American Dream, uh, their Pilsner style beer, which is yeah, I thought it was fitting because it uh, it's essentially a film about the American Dream, kind of American Dream gone wrong a little bit. So that is the only one that really ties in with <laughs> with it. I also have a tin of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which I bought by accident because I thought I was buying Evil Twin. Uh, they had a kind of Evil Twin something uh, beside it, uh, beside this, and I must have lifted this by mistake. Um, and Evil Twin, I thought, well, it's um, it's related to the McKellar beer as well. I think the the guy who brews McKellar's twin brother, isn't that right? But I also thought that in the film there are evil siblings. There's an evil sibling, so yeah. that would have made sense. However, that's irrelevant because I accidentally bought the wrong beer. But Sierra Nevada <laughs> is from California, so... Um, yeah, actually, was the film set in California? I didn't actually look that up. Set in Beverly Hills, yeah. Yeah, because it's... it's um, yeah. I also have some Beavertown Gamma Ray um, because, well, there's aliens zapping each other in the front, which doesn't really happen in this film at all, but <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, Oh, oh no no we're not from outer space or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah they're, they're probably there's something where the fuck are you from <laughs> yeah. um, there's also uh, also bought some boundary American pale ale because That's nice. it's delicious I've been really craving some boundary recently I've, I've like been finding it hard to get even though they brew it like what like half a mile from my house hmm and I'm also drinking some Kentucky ale because I, yeah, I just had it. Um, and it's got a picture of a horse on it. And are there any horses in the film? I don't think so. I think so. Well, well <laughs> there's that connection. So, uh, <laughs> cool. Um, well, I'm actually at the moment drinking um, uh, cranberry and amaretto, which which is quite a posh drink, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> For rich people. It's beautiful. Every single time I heard someone talking about cranberry and amaretto, I thought that sounds shit. And we tried it tonight. It's so good. Cranberry and amaretto That's is beautiful. That does sound good, actually. Uh, what's amaretto again? Sorry. It's uh, almond liqueur. Yeah. So okay. it tastes like I, uh, marzipan. I can't think of the way, like the actual biscuity things. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it kind of tastes. Yes. Yeah, they're made with almonds, I think. Yeah. Um, so I've got um, uh, the, the uh, kind of dark Yorkshire ale, uh, black sheep. Because um, Billy is the uh, black sheep of the family, <laughs> and we don't have any gold like all the rich people in society. But I've got um, a can of Blackthorn Gold. Um, I th- is is it a is it from Somerset? Yeah, it's a Somerset cider. I mean, we we kind of know Blackthorn for you know cheap um, three liter plastic bottles, but yeah. I, I guess that might be a bit better. Or, Did you, know. you get these from the cheap shelf again? Yeah, I got them from the cheap shelf. <laughs> um, and Thatcher's gold cider, well, gold as well, and also um, obviously Margaret Thatcher was a big fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> free free market loving capitalist dick face. Yeah. So I suppose she... like black and gold is the color of the libertarian flag. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Thatcher was <laughs> one of uh, she one of the ones that David Icke said was uh, like a, a a lizard person or something. <laughs> 
Probably. I was wondering how long it was going to take for uh, David Icke to come up in the in the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got two beers, but I chose them primarily because I have them. I've got uh, what is it? Uh, Black and Kinsale. I don't know if you guys. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Blacks of Kinsale. Yeah, yeah. I've had that. Yeah. I've got Model T, which is a stout. I Ooh. guess I could use that as an excuse, as it was the first mass-produced car for society. Yeah. <laughs> and I have the Blacks and Black and Kinsale again. The session. Because okay. there's a big mad session at the end. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah, I guess we will crack into the beers and also the um, amaretto and cranberry and uh, be back after this. <laughs> You've done very well, Jim. I'm pleased to be able to contribute. Anything for society. It's showtime, Billy! Didn't you know, Billy Boy? The rich have always sucked off low-class shit like you. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. Such a great contribution to society. You're a different race from us, a different species, a different class. You're not one of us. You have to be born in this society. David Blanchard tried tried to tell me about the society that kills to keep its existence a secret. They killed Blanchard. Martin Petri tried to tell me about this about this society, but they got to it before I did. You know how I hate to give you drugs. You know the schedule. First we dine, then copulation. Someone your own age first. Fuck your sister. I actually can't get over how good that cranberry and amaretto is. If anyone fancies, if anyone's never had it before, yeah, yeah, I would <laughs> thoroughly recommend it. <clears throat> so, yeah, we're so we're talking about society is the the main um, uh, feature, I guess, of the podcast. If if, if I sound a bit weird, it's it's because. Um, I've already been drinking, so you know uh, I've had a few beers basically. So I might start talking shit in a bit. But anyway, yeah, uh, society. Uh, Brian used in nineteen eighty nine. Did um, you picked it? Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to tell us, you know, why you picked it and whether or not you'd ever seen it before? Uh, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, I basically picked it because I tend to go on. I don't know if other people do this. I tend to go on these big YouTube binges of trailers, um, and I just I remember coming across that one. It really stuck out to me, and I noticed that it was Brian Usna that had directed it. And I'm a big fan of Reanimator, mm. so I sort of I was more intrigued by the the special effects that you know heard about in it as well. 
Um, I've forgotten the name of the guy. Is it Mad George or something? Is it like scre- yeah. Screaming Mad George? Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. done loads of special effects work. Like uh, I think he was involved in Predator as well. He did Reanimator anyway. Um, I think I'm, I have a list here actually that I looked up. But but yeah, I basically basically picked it on the back of that really. Yeah. You know, all those different influences. Because you're a big fan of uh, From Beyond, aren't you? Oh, that's great as well. Actually, I think he he might have done the special effects for that too. Well, I think he did because it's kind of it's, it's his hallmark, isn't it? You know, it's kind of it looks like that. I mean, yeah. I, I've never seen the film actually. From Beyond, it's one of those ones that's just been on the list for years, and I never, yeah, never, really. never actually got around to seeing it. But um, I think it works. Maybe it maybe works better as a film altogether than Society. Do you think so? But as I will probably get on to all that later. I think. Yeah. Um, what did you think of it? Oh, it's, it's 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 a difficult one actually. I, I find it really hard to come to a conclusion about it. Mm. it, it kind of it did leave an impression on me, mm. but I, I imagine that does that to everybody with the the final scene. I, I I was sort of left thinking about it for a while, so in a way it did have a a big effect on me. But it's also quite obvious as well. Mm. You know, it's not very subtle in what it's trying to portray. <laughs> like it is literally the the rich eat the poor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I read like an interview with Brian Usner or at some point, and he said something like, um, "Like I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew that it was kind of quite obvious, but I just wanted to have fun with it. You know, I kind of wanted yeah, to I mean, take yeah, that whole kind of um, <laughs> Illuminati capitalist narrative and just do something ridiculous and stupid with it." It's it's one of those films. I think like when when I was watching it, I was kind of going, "Well, this is a bit silly," and oh, I don't know about this, but then. I don't know, I've been thinking about it more the past few days and the, I think if a film does that to you then that's a good thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. But what about you guys? Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, it, it took a, a very, quite a simple metaphor and it made it seem really complicated but in actual fact it, it is just like the old capitalist sort of metaphor of the, uh, the rich blood-sucking the poor. Yeah, I it's one of those movies I think I enjoyed having watched more than I enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah. And I watched it really late at night, and I went straight to bed afterwards, and I couldn't sleep, not through like any sort of like horror chill or anything, just just my mind was racing, <laughs> I guess, just because I was just thinking that was so fucking weird. Like, it's got that whole soap opera thing where it's really stilted, and a lot of like a lot of the action seemed totally pointless, and like. I don't know, the, the narrative follows like a really inelegant path, but I think, um, yeah, I think it almost sort of benefits from some of that, not all of it. Some of the flaws seem to actually add to it in a, in a weird way because mm. it sort of makes it seem like it, it sort of brings out the tackiness of that, that whole society. Yeah, and that kind of touches on what I, one of the things that stuck out for me mostly about the film was that like it's kind of it's a good film and you can see like if you if you read the screenplay um it would be um like obviously a class film and like a good story and everything um and you know plenty of gore and effects effects and things but it just has that kind of subtle shitness that comes from like a <laughs> film made in the late 80s and yeah. like you kind of notice it especially with with things like um you know Friday the 13th that kind of started it started in the late 70s early 80s and then went through to the 90s and you can see it just get the production just get more and more 80s as yeah. um as as the franchise goes on and i personally think that's to that's always to to its detriment i mean just that kind of late 80s shit fashion 
just even just the way it's filmed just the the way it looks and everything everything about it you just think oh this is just suffering from being made in such yeah. a shit part of the decade we should maybe in case anybody hasn't watched it yet because it is it's it's not a particularly well-known film um but it is it is quite accessible you can get it on youtube and stuff but we should maybe recap it for people um it's essentially billy is like the high school kind of jock kind of ferris bueller kind of character who um starts starts you know is obviously uh quite discontent as well and starts sort of feeling that people are out to get him so it's kind of a paranoid and starts seeing things go kind of strange with his family and friends and people try to warn him about stuff that his family are doing that then those people end up dead and uh, he starts unraveling a conspiracy where everything is sort of sort of distorted and quite surreal and uh, then there's a big uh, shock at the end where it turns out that his family are actually a different species that have been living on Earth with all, all the other rich people that are actually just sucking the blood of the poor um, in a literal sort of really fucking weird vampire way where they, they like melt melt into each other and like fist people to death and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and his family have raised raised him in order to sacrifice him and um yeah that's that's essentially what this film is about yeah i mean so like you know even from the offset you can tell it's it's one of those kind of films that's um going to be like you know Step, stepford wives or or um they live or yeah. something apparently apparently brian using a cited um rosemary's baby uh, oh, as an influence okay. which is yeah the same thing it's like you know one person kind of isolated um even though they're surrounded by people because um everyone else is knows something they don't or you know is you know hiding a secret yeah. from them or whatever um so yeah what else uh, they live could you think of any other kind of films that are... I think it actually feels really like a an extended episode of the twilight zone yeah or, or like the outer limits yeah, yeah a bit of david lynch as well sort of Wait, when was um, Videodrome made? I think it was mid eighties, was it? Um, couldn't, couldn't tell you off. I sort of. I think. I, is it more the aesthetics I'm getting that from? But like the. Um, well, I think. The, I mean, I I would. Eighty three. I, I would say Videodrome is definitely a better film, anyway. But uh, oh yeah, it is yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was. It's it's one of those films that you know you think that Cronenberg kind of came up with but unfortunately he didn't direct it you know it's sort of I think it could have been way better yeah definitely like the, the story is decent and everything oh like, yeah I, I guess like trying to look for the plots in it or sorry the the holes in it it's it's tough to tell whether the actors are bad sometimes I know or in either video room or society oh sorry society or yeah um, yeah I know it, what you mean yeah yeah, one of the things I thought was um, his friendship with Milo is really weird because at the start, they're at the start of the film they're kind of pictured playing basketball, and you kind of think, oh, so this is going to be um, like these are gonna, two guys are going to be friends, and then you kind of you kind of forget about him because he's not doesn't come up again until yeah. the, until the debating scene, and he's he's sitting behind um, the debate, he's kind of chairing the debate, and whenever I first watched it, I didn't I didn't realize it was the same guy that he'd been playing no, basketball yeah. with. And then, yeah. so then, so then later on, whenever he kind of goes, "Oh, we're such good friends," you're like, "Fuck, are you really?" Because you yeah. haven't been hanging about at all, and now we're supposed to 
join you in this quest when the two friends team up against society and you're just like but, but we haven't even seen we haven't seen them be yeah. friends so are we supposed to know that yeah it's a bit disjointed in that regard like it's yeah. sort of suddenly thrown in and... isn't it it's just kind of like oh yeah <laughs> we're really good friends so we're going to do this now uh, and the other thing I was um, what about um, like what why is it taking Bill this long to realise that his family are weird yeah I don't know I think is it that they only start acting weird with his sister when it's her coming out party, and that's when things start to sort of it's like her coming out party, but it's also like his coming out party essentially. Um, and this is like when he they I don't know if they're meant to be twins or something, um, but if they um, yeah they both sort of reach like they both come of age essentially, and that's when. Things. I think they're intentionally revealing this stuff to him. I think that's the thing. I yeah. got the impression that this was all set up so he could figure it out as part of like part of the hunt, part of the game, which yeah. I think was just just unnecessary cruel, cruelty. But uh, I think that's, that's meant so to kind be of part just of it. Fucking with him a bit. Yeah, I, that's that's what I got. I, I thought it was a bit like. Uh, have you ever seen the film The Game? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I, I thought it was maybe like a bit like that where they Michael are. Douglas. Yeah, it's a great film. Oh yeah, uh, and um, that's maybe the kind of thing where they sort of like they're double bluffing him. They 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 want him to find out more and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it it hadn't occurred to me at all, but now you said it, it, it does make complete sense. Yeah, because they they are completely all powerful as we see. Because it's basically as soon as he shows the psychiatrist the um the tape, like fucking half an hour later, Blanchard's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, because th- th- that was the thing. Actually, that that's reminded me of talking about Blanchard because Blanchard actually says at one point um, after he's played uh, Billy the tape, he says, "Come on, are you seriously telling me that you lived with your family all this life and you've never noticed anything like this before? You know, like them obviously having sex." And he, I did kind of think, like, yeah, I mean, like your your family are so different to you and they're so weird. You know, b- you know, be careful with that drinking and driving, son. Sounds like a real <laughs> swell ball. You should go. It'll be really great. Yeah. It's like, they're obviously so fucking weird and like <laughs> there's no kind of like connection between between him and his parents and maybe like at the start he and his sister when they're sitting up by the piano they kind of have a bit of a moment like they're obviously friends but yeah like his mum and his dad they're just like they don't act like a mum and dad would to a son so how does he how is it taking him this long to notice I suppose there are a lot of people though that are like just brought up in like loveless households that are just really rich I think that's that's probably what it's, it's sort of playing on. It's sort of appealing to disaffected kids, you know, uh, disaffected teenagers. That's like, what I, I kind of thought. I, like, the, the whole thing's, like, supposed to be an analogy, in a way, to what it is to be like a teenager. Yeah. So rather than just, he should have noticed this all along. It's like, you know what we're all like when we're teenagers? Yeah. We, we start to, like, discover different ideas and things like that. And, then, like, everybody goes through, like, a rebellious phase. I thought it was maybe supposed to be like an analogy to that in a way as well. Yeah, like a an an 80s body horror catching your eye almost. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- th- that's kind of also the um, one of the interesting things I think about the f- about the, is is the title because society can can have two meanings and there's there's the society as in like everyone to everyone together in a community or you know the people that we interact with. But then there's also the kind of Jane Austen and Oscar Wilde meaning of society, you know, like to yeah. be, to be presented to society, to you know, this kind of yeah. high society, and it's it's yeah. obviously the latter, isn't it? 
Like the yeah. the title society doesn't refer to you know like general populace. It means society as in the upper class. The yeah, because that whole thing you know like uh, like if you read kind of Jane Austen novels and stuff, it's about them like just kind of a, a lot of it's to do with her own experiences of, of going to Bath to stay with her aunt and uncle and kind of be presented to society. Yeah. Because that's where society was, you know, and go to balls and things. And I think there's like like Russian aristocracy still kind of essentially do that in in London. I remember like Channel 4 was covering yeah. it. Yeah, time. It was like right, this yeah. ball and it was, like, it was literally women being kind of presented to society. Like yeah. she is not wow. in society, by the way. Which, if you kind of keep following that thread, you kind of go, well, what does that mean? And it essentially means... My my daughter is now old enough to have sex with uh, a, a gentleman and marry and marry. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, what it yeah. means. But stuff like that still exists in India as well. I was listening to this quite interesting podcast um, about this guy. Uh, he was doing the podcast himself, but he gives etiquette classes, right. and he finds that he gets most of his business these days in India and also China, weirdly as well. But with sort of upper classes in India. Mm-hmm. So on, you know, how you're supposed to act in society as a woman uh, quite a lot yeah. of the time. And he was saying he would teach people how to, like, well, women, how, you know, how to enter a room and stuff like that. And all these really weird, funny things are how to stir tea in the right way. Yeah. It's really it, bizarre. But... Is he, like, is he, does he teach, like, Western etiquette or, like... Well, uh, yeah, it would be. So it's, I think it's a hangover from, like, you know, colonialism. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So, like, they, they would hold on. To like um, a lot of the old English values. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the what do you call it? Is it the Madras Club or something like that? Um, is like it was a I think a, an Englishman only club, and then they started to allow Indian staff, and now it's uh, and then I think possibly Indian members, wow. and now it's just like a it's just a weird sort of club that uh, uh, is popular, but mostly I think. Indian gentleman, but um, really like really celebrates the sort of colonial English yeah. attitude and stuff. Um, it, was, it was on a Rick Stein doc, uh, like uh, oh yeah, whenever, whenever he went to um, to India, yeah, 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 yeah. that was a good um, good series. That was amazing. Yeah. I, love that. I just I, I don't need, um, like, I need curry like every day. Every day. His comments on China were pretty interesting actually because he was talking to one of the women in the class at the time. And I, I thought it was it, it's quite relevant to society, um, the film, I mean. Uh, but she was talking about how basically in China, for the most part, like like any culture, there's different values or there's values that people just don't have that, you know, compared, like, relatively speaking. Um, yeah. So, for example, if you're in, like, a, a busy restaurant, uh, there's not really any please and thank yous and things like that because yeah. it's just not seen as a thing. Like, it's and nobody cares. It's not a problem. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. With Racial the classes today. over there, like they're teaching them how to say please and thank you, and but it's because they're all upper class, and they think yeah. that they are a step above, you know, the the proles, I guess, or the the plebs, mm-hmm. and it's it's a way of distinguishing themselves. So they think they are high society. So I guess right. like you yeah. know maybe films yeah. kind of like that as well. But I've heard like other other cultures like find it really strange. I think it's like it's a big like sort of British and Irish thing that you always say how how's it going? Yeah. Whereas like I think in like Nordic culture, like in sort of Scandinavia, they would just say, "Well, I'm miserable." So you know, <laughs> yeah, so please. Quite, why? Why are you asking? Yeah. That? Like it's actually it's quite disconcerting <laughs> if you say how's it going and somebody goes, uh, 
well, actually, I'm, and you're like, actually, come on, like, don't, don't fucking answer, like, <laughs> just say bye, <laughs> and I don't really want to know, like, it's just... <laughs> Anyway, back to society. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a brand new film, obviously. Um, was it his di- directorial debut? It was the first uh, film that he directed, I think, because oh, okay. previous to that, he'd just been working with Stuart, that guy Stuart Gordon, who directed Reanimator. Um, uh, I think, and basically, using kind of said um, he was sick. He, he'd kind of realized that, like, even though the producer is the person who kind of oversees. Like the finances and kind of puts money behind it and it's kind of you know he realised that the director was the one who first of all got to make all the decisions and second of all got all the credit so he decided that he wanted to direct and I think someone the studio had asked him to do Reanimator or something and he said no they'd asked him to do yeah Reanimator but he said he would only do Reanimator if if he could do Society no but he didn't direct Reanimator did he? Maybe Beyond maybe, Reanimator was it? Maybe we've got that wrong yeah. I think it might have been Beyond Reanimator yeah yeah, I think it was Beyond Reanimator. You're right. Yeah. Um, but another film that he did, I think he directed it. It's called Dolls, or it might be a Stuart Gordon film. I watched it a while ago. Have, have you Have you guys seen that one? I, think I, might, have, I uh, might have seen Dolls. Uh, might be thinking of something else. Yeah. So Stuart Gordon directed it, and um, uh, Brian Usner must have produced it. It's like Puppet Master or something, or. Uh, it's it, well. It's basically like a kind of um, creepy dolls are actually alive type film, and it's basically this this wee girl and her um, obnoxious wanker parents um, are driving through England. They're American, and their their car breaks down in the storm, so they seek shelter in this random people random house. And the house is owned by this old man and this old woman, and they. Um, make dolls or he he makes dolls the old man and um, basically uh, and then randomly like another three people do the same thing like they're kind of caught in the storm it's this American guy and these two punk English girls so basically what happens is the old guy like has these toys and the toys are alive and um, they're not going to hurt the the Amer- the other American guy and the wee girl because they because the girl's a kid and because the the guy's like a kind of funny guy, kind of funny adult who's still a kid at heart, so the dolls aren't going to hurt him, kind of thing, because he's a kid trapped in a man's body. And then, right. and then, and then, like, the, like the wee old man is really nice to the girl and things like that, and her parents are horrible, so it's kind of like, um, it's almost like a ruled doll thing. So you've got yeah. that kind of aspect, but then you've also got the the kind of really fucking creepy. These dolls are alive, and like some really really gory scenes of like people getting like you know like their heads smashed in and like you know blood and eyeballs and stuff like that. So. It's it's so weird. It's like so juxtaposed. You've got this kind of magical fantasy thing with the you know the the cool American guy who helps the wee girl and believes her when she says the dolls are alive, and then you've got these horrendous murder scenes with like the dolls like stabbing people <laughs> and stuff. I, I haven't seen it actually. I've just looked it up, but um, I, I've seen other things with dolls like that. But uh, can you remember the uh, the tagline? No. The tagline is amazing it's uh you're never too old to play with dolls until you're dead <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't okay. even make any sense <laughs> <laughs> brilliant <laughs> um, just uh, have you guys seen fortress yeah no. that's a classic film well yeah. i don't know if it'd be considered a classic but it's, yeah. uh, it's very good 
It's one of those ones that I, I remember being amazing, but I don't know, I haven't seen it in like 10 years. It, yeah, it might not be good if you watch it back, but it's yeah. Christopher Lambert. Have you seen it, Ian? Christopher Lambert? Is he the guy who's in that film about the space prison? That's Blitz. That's Fortress. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also yeah. Highland. Uh, yes, you have. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. well, we we watched that in um, uh, Lawrence Street. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I you love me, that. Film. You mean Keith is so shit? Like I'd never seen it before. <laughs> I'd never seen it before, anyway. <laughs> and you two, you two guys loved it. And I was like, oh yes, this is. Uh, it was brilliant. Like I loved it. So cheesy, I, so, so shit. I must watch it at an age <clears throat> where I was still quite impressionable because I remember like. The next day, waiting for a bus. It was, I was watching on a Friday night, and the next day, waiting for a bus on a Saturday to go into go into town. And uh, I remember standing at the bus, feeling really ill when I was like just thinking about the guy who had like the hole shot in his stomach. You know, like he, there was a big I don't know some big laser kind of thing and shoots a hole in his stomach, and uh, uh, you can see through his stomach. He, like like fucking um, death becomes her. Death, yeah. Uh, okay. um, and I remember like sort of sat in the bus up feeling like oh my god that's, <laughs> that's one of the most horrifying things i've ever seen you know it was and i think the the other film i can't remember i'm gonna have to look it up if you're using a director or not but was that film remember dv watched it D- dagon oh yeah i was gonna ask you about that i couldn't yeah. remember the name of it yeah. is it the uh, sorry is that a type of radish at dagon <laughs> uh, god who knows but it is it, a it was a it was a lovecraft um yeah. Lovecraft, and so like, it wasn't wasn't reanimator based on a, on a Lovecraft. Um, it was, yeah. Thing. Uh, apparently, Dagon is a Mesopotamian fertility god. So you were close, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, no, that that was a weird film. I did I didn't actually really like that film. I thought it was a. Bit, it wasn't wasn't great. It was a bit shit and also a bit unsettling. It kind of reminded me a bit of. Uh, <laughs> What was the Spanish film we watched for this a while ago? Just Franco. Me and you hated it, Paul. Yeah, it was the Franco film. Uh, like Erotic <laughs> Rights of Frankenstein? Erotic Rights. I think oh, they yeah, got reminded me of that a bit. No way. Is, Erotic... there, is there a similar scene or something? Good thing so, but Erotic Rights of Frankenstein is way better than Dagon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not even comparison. <laughs> but is, is there not a scene where there's like a load of people in a room at one stage? Like a a sort of a weird dungeony room. I think so. I think it's at the end whenever he um, he's kind of realizing what his fate is. His fate is that he's going to turn into a weird sea creature as well. Yeah. So he kind I of he pours petrol over himself and sets himself, sets himself alight. <laughs> I forgot it's about so that. Weird. <laughs> and and right, <clears throat> the really weird thing is that right, um, there's a bit where the girl is kind of creeping up on him and he's in bed and she's like an attractive woman so he I think he's kind of getting a bit uh, oh yes this is class but then he, he she reveals that she, her, she doesn't have any legs she's just got tentacles oh, in, yes. instead of legs and oh, obviously exactly. he fucking freaks out and I was in the I was like on the MDB message boards the, the day after we watched the film and um, there's like a, a, a thread in the message board of people who like were really into that and thought like <laughs> and thought like sh- she was hotter once they knew that she had fucking tentacles for legs. <laughs> Jesus. Is that like what? That, um, what is your problem, Rats- lads? Thing? Um, huh? Is it No. Uh, it's a Japanese tentacle rape uh, anime. <laughs> oh. uh, I think actually the, the son or the male or something launched a campaign against it in the, I don't know, 90s. I'm um, never ever going to watch that. 
It's really <laughs> shocking. It's, have you seen I, it? I, you watched it? I, I have seen it. I, I, like, I remember being on a party. I've seen bits of this. Why yeah, would you, you watch that? It's, it's, well, it's anime. Oh, I would never watch that. It's, um, that it's would that would that would harm me. It's not really good. Like you, oh. you don't watch for a thrill. It's just like one of those things that people put on uh, at parties for for shock value. I'd never watch so that like... ever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a bit like Wes Craven. I think Brian Eusen is probably a bit of a hit and miss director. Um, because Reanimator's good, this yeah. is okay. From Beyond looks good. Do you say it's good? Um, but then Dagon is shit. Dolls, yeah. I really like Dolls. Um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was probably one of the best, um, you know, creepy Dolls film films I've ever seen. And I, I, when I was watching, it, I was thinking this this might this, this is probably better than Child's Play. I think like uh, you can bring all that weird stuff about views on sex back into society, though, because it's a bit at the end. Like, I mean. Like, it is a kind of a commentary on that, about straight-laced society, but behind the scenes, anything goes kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, like the the ultimate <laughs> the ultimate end of, like, keys in a, a bowl kind of thing. Like. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I, was, I was reading about um, sort of like, um, oh, it's like Rupert Murdoch and all the horrible stuff he does. But, yeah. uh, you know, just about how he attacks, like, various politicians who... Yeah, aren't on his side essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I was reading about like when he went to town on John Major back in the day, but it yeah. sort of brought to the fore all these things because, like, I think John Major's like campaign was was it Back to Basics? It was called, or yeah, basically he wanted to come back to traditional family values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, there was so many sex scandals in the Conservative Party, like there was tons of shit coming out, and it was Rupert Murdoch, obviously, like. That was unveiling them all in the newspapers. Yeah, Major but, uh, was involved in as well, wasn't he? Oh, he slept with Edwina Curry. Yeah. Or something. But uh, but yeah, no, it was just it's interesting because it's all these sort of people who are pretending to be straight laced and family, you know, values. Yeah. Laid, but they're behind the scenes again. It's anything goes. You yeah. Know, it's... And that also was kind of one of the main points of kind of you know like Oscar Wilde's um, you know society dramas. It's kind of yeah. like. Yeah. You know the upper classes, what they, you know, like as he said, mo- most people are other people. They're, one of the Mosley uh, sort of, uh, what do you call them? Like, what do they call that guy? One of the Mosleys, anyway. Um, was he involved? Is it Max? Yeah. Which which one was Walter? No, Walter's the crime crime author. Sorry, Oswald was the the, the fascist prick. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I know yeah, you're talking so, about now. Yeah, um, yeah. So Max Mosley, yeah, he was involved in Nazi. Nazi party, I think so. Yeah, Nazi it's like the English version. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. He was no, he was involved in like the Nazi party sex tape thing. Oh yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, like I not not sorry, not like a Nazi party. I mean, like a party where people dress up as Nazis and have sex. Oh. Like that. Oh. Uh, but oh, sorry, I know who you're talking about. Oswald Mosley was like the the British Nazi party black shirts. It was in the the one of the tabloids, wasn't it? Unveiled. Yeah, I think so. He's doing some keystroking here, and it's going to <laughs> Nazi, Nazi sex party. And we're... Uh, I was trying to remember who he was. Sorry, it's like uh, I, I... I think it's the media mogul or something. Or yeah, he must was be... with Formula One. Yeah, maybe. was it? Was he something with Formula One? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. I think he was like maybe head of the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, like, they have like... some like 
governing body or something. Yeah, like the set bladder of uh, yeah. Formula One. But I mean, what what do you think that the the the, the class, the, the society people actually get out of that that performance, that that ritual? Lots of sex. But is <laughs> it? But is that sex to them, or is, or is there some kind of perfunctory um, reason that they, that they do it? It's sustenance or something. Yeah, like do they kind of do they get better then as they absorb? Oh, people? sorry, the people in the film society. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's 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 not really that clear. Like, no. it it seems well, it seems ritualistic, and obviously it's it seems like a long term goal because like they were raising that raising Billy for what like seventeen years maybe. He seems like he's about seventeen. Like, surely, um, is it not just easier to like you know order a pizza and then do that to the pizza boy? You know, yeah, rather than yeah. like, you know, wait for raise a kid for seventeen fucking years yeah. just so you can easily you rape him to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they didn't do a very good job of it either. No, no it, it, it must, be, <laughs> must be like a weird, like, but like I suppose it's maybe like a Masonic kind of tie-in thing. Like you know, it was the other weird thing was like because we're talking about the end. There is like, why why did they stop attacking him? It was like it was like because he punched. Uh, Ted Ferguson in the face. Yeah. They were all of a sudden yeah. scared of him and couldn't touch him anymore. Well, they, they yeah. say something. When Ted Ferguson turns into a bunch of worms, they say, don't touch him, he's something. And I was watching YouTube, so I couldn't turn up subtitles. But, yeah. yeah, I didn't really understand that myself. And then also, like, they just then leave and they get in the car and drive away, so we don't find out what happens to them if they ever try and take down the society, what happens to the society, yeah. who they are. I mean, there's so yeah, many it, holes. It'd be all horrible <laughs> until that point. So surely you could just have have them killed, you know? Yeah, or people kill like very very easily. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like at the, at the end of at the end of they live, all we have to Roddy Piper's uh, character Nada gets killed, but then the last thing he does is he blows up the satellite, so the film ends with right. Well, at least now humans know <laughs> that the aliens are there, but society yeah. just ends with like, all right, so that's that over. So that the yeah. yeah. still there. You know, so what? Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah, they were making a second one, weren't they? Yeah. It didn't go anywhere. But uh, I think it was actually then it's made it a comic. Somebody, maybe like a Scottish uh, comic artist or comic oh. artist, bought uh, bought the rights. Cool. In like two thousand two, two thousand three, or something. And, uh, there is a sequel, but it's it's a comic. It seems like it's also one of those films that could actually benefit from a remake. Like you know, maybe yeah. I think like, there's, yeah, there's good elements in it. Like there is, I, I think there. You know, it's not it's it's salvageable. Like you know, it's yeah, not that it's completely awful. Um, but I, yeah. I think there's 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 there is good ideas in there somewhere, and you can just maybe prize them out and yeah, make it a bit like, more linear. Where they tend to remake films that got it right the first time and ruin them. This is yeah. like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's try again. And, Hopefully we'll get it right this time. And I mean, you know, why not get Cronenberg to do it? Yeah. You know, Though he's been a bit shit recently. Or... Yeah, I suppose so. But I, I would love to see Cronenberg um, remake that get film. Get his mojo back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he could do a lot more with it. Like, and, Definitely. And I have been a bit disappointed, though, with his last outputs. Especially early, yeah. Well, that's, well yeah. I mean, like early Cronenberg would have rinsed that film. <laughs> that's really Actually, what have Cronenberg's recent I've sort of lost track of Cronenberg these days yeah no I've completely lost track of Cronenberg <clears throat> he did two that I haven't seen I've forgotten the names of them uh, uh, one had Tilda Swinton in it I think but I've forgotten yeah that sounds familiar 
he was supposed to be back on form a bit with that one, but I, I didn't get to see it. And then there was another one with uh, the guy from Twilight. Robert Pattinson. Ro- yeah, Robert Pattinson. Uh, yeah, it's right. like it takes place in a limo or something. Mm. The entirety of the film. Right. Mm. Like I Robert Pattinson's like some celebrity. Yeah. yeah. I, the whole film takes place in that. I didn't see it. But the ones yeah. I did see before that were, um, what was it called? Eastern Promises. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's the Russian good. Guy. Yeah. I, I wasn't a big fan. And the one before that, like that was... What, can you remember? Was it a short or a history of killing or something? History of violence. History of violence. Is that sort of word? Yeah. Do you know, uh, my friend Ray lent me that about five years ago, and he said it was one of the best films I've ever seen, and I still haven't watched it. So. Oh. Um, I might have to watch it again, because I didn't enjoy it the first time I saw it. Uh, I went to see it in cinema, but uh, I might give it another chance at some stage. It's yeah, I, I I vaguely know what it's about, but it's it's your man from Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Vigo, yeah. And he, he's actually he's in um, fucking Eastern Province as well, isn't he? He does a big uh, naked wrestling scene. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, <laughs> thoughts of slapping. That's what you yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> the um, I think I think the most recent Cronenberg film I've seen is probably Crash, and then um, Existence. You know, I I I've already seen yeah, yeah. Cronenberg. Um, yeah, Existence. I mean, Existence was what, like two thousand or something. Yeah, or? but apparently they're um, they're remaking uh, Rabbit. Oh no, right? Was it Rabbit? No, 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 not Rabbit. Um, Shivers. Oh, okay. I haven't seen Shivers. Seen that actually. Yeah. yeah. Or no, maybe it Is was. Ra- like a... or, actually, no, maybe it was Rabbit the remaking. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that. That limo thing sounds familiar, but I think I might be thinking of Holy Motors, which is yeah. also a limo, but it's different, obviously. Holy Motors is a great film as well. Mm. Speaking of which, slightly yeah. off the subject, I meant to bring it up at the beginning, but it's totally within our remit, but uh, like horror and cult, but uh, Jacques Rivette died. Has anybody seen any Jacques Rivette films? He was no. like, a, no. he was sort of, I think Goddard or Truffaut said he was like the reason for the the French New Wave, and he, he was like one of the sort of most underrated but most influential French New Wave directors, and he directed my favourite film ever, Celine and Julie Capote, which oh, okay. is, yeah, I don't think I would, I couldn't even name my favourite book or my favourite song if anybody asked me, but if somebody asked me my favourite song, it has to be Celine and Julie Capote, and uh, uh, he also directed Out One, which is like a massive, massive film, I think it's like 10 hours or something, and Paris New Upper Champ, and Lourdes, Load of other good movies, but Celine and Julie Boating is fucking incredible. And he died last month, so huh. uh, I meant to mention at the beginning. Was he we... as good as Jess Franco? <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> Nearly. Do you know Tony Burton died as well? The, he was in Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do. yeah and do, 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 he was in the Rocky do, 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 films as well, wasn't he? Do, 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 do. Said Tony Burton. I was thinking of <laughs> what do you call him from something like it hot. Who is he in precinct? Uh, he, I think he's one of the guys. He's one of the prisoners. I think one of the good ones. Oh, yeah, the, the guy. Um... He, he's black. He's one of the uh, the black actor. Um, oh. I'm trying to think who he was in the Rocky films, though. I'm trying to... Um. Well, I mean. We haven't really kind of touched upon the the makeup effects that much. It, it, it's kind of interesting the way they um they can actually change. Like remember the guy, one of the guys says the psychiatrist says um does does he actually say let me give you a hand or something? 
and then when he turns around his, his head is like a hand yeah <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. yeah that's really weird <laughs> it is weird and actually it's it's quite cool in that the hand is doing the exact same gesture as his own hand yeah. I mean, <laughs> that one has the big go go gadget hand yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, his um, and his and, and, and the whole thing they have with the people having their arse the uh, the wrong way around, like his sister in the shower, and then yeah. uh, uh, Clarissa has, yeah, yeah. has her arse the wrong way around. Um, yeah, and then whenever he, at the end when he goes into his mum's room to escape um, the psychiatrist guy, um, his his mum's like got like hands, arms for legs, and then <laughs> yeah. his sister hidden hidden up her vagina. Yeah, and, that, then, that's and then his dad like, is actually an arse. Yeah, <laughs> like so, our. <laughs> is that maybe maybe I'm I'm thinking is that their actual form do you think or is is that can they just take any form or do they have do, do you think they have like a set form or that is like human like or it's all speculative really isn't it because we're not yeah. we're not actually told anything about them other than they're not aliens and they've always been they've always been here that's and literally Genghis all we're told we see yeah. there's one and, yeah that's literally yeah. all we know yeah. about them <clears throat> so who fucking knows it is kind of weird that they, uh, <laughs> yeah. because you know, cause like, like if you think of like they live, you know, we get to see their underground base and we, we know what they're doing, why they're doing it. There's suggestions about it. we know what they look like, you know, um, yeah. when they're not humans. Whereas in society, you're just like we don't know anything about them. I think though that's probably because um, that that whole like the most notable thing about the film, that whole idea was like added in as like sort of like an afterthought because they wanted to, like, spice it up. It was going to be just, like, a, a weird ritual where they were humans just killing other, other yeah. uh, you know, poor people. But um, it, uh, then they wanted to make it, yeah, more outlandish, so they decided to add this fucking nuts element into it. And, uh, I mean... This... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, what do you think it's, like, a more extreme version of, like, them being naked in a way? Like, so... Like uh, I think there was a picture of Donald Trump doing the rounds. Did you guys see it on Facebook? Oh, from like, they live naked. Oh no, yeah, well, yeah, not I that one. But yeah, someone's yeah. done a painting of him, and he's just completely naked, and it's it's like it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, it's, tiny, it's, it's included tiny, it. Yeah, included every detail, like his body fat and everything. But yeah, I, I, I sort of got the impression is is it just a more extreme version of that? Like you know, when you take yeah. away all the richness, it's sort of like they're as horrible as me and you. Like you know, they're yeah. Underneath everything, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, but it possibly, was a yeah. more reinforced version of that. I mean, he I think he said his like his inspiration was more like surrealism and Dali, so it would sort of uh, feed more into that sort of oh. surrealism than like uh, the, your idea would feed more into this that sort of surrealism than um, any sort of like horror sci-fi kind of inspiration mm, in a okay. way. I think yeah, just like taking taking the sort of general nakedness and just going to a weird extreme with it. Like. Yeah, because they're all kind of dripping into each other and they all kind of join, can join and everything, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I thought I, I thought they were going to be, be like weird ancestors of slugs or something because at the beginning, you know, with the, like the chopsticks and the slugs and they're, yeah. you know, what a great crop this year of slugs. Yeah, that is really weird, isn't it? That they're eating uh, slugs. Yeah. I, I don't even know if they're eating them. Is that is that? I think I, they're not turn, then turn up at the party as a canopy. Oh, did they? I missed it. It was yeah. strange. Mm. I, I remember, though, like, I can't remember uh, what film uh, he was reviewing, but Mark Remote kind of made a point uh, 
about maybe why older horror films are a bit more effective in certain ways. And it's maybe because of the tongue-in-cheek element or the, and the surrealism. Uh, whereas modern-day horror films, for the most part, don't really have that anymore. Um, like, even if you think about Nightmare on Elm Street or The Evil Dead or even, like, you know, Halloween or something, there is still playful elements in there. Uh, yeah. I think you get that with society anyway. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, they... Uh, their directors at least sort of like affected towards like modernism things like that in a way but now it's just really sort of like yeah I don't know I, I think everything should become very narrative based and like you know dropped any sort of any sort of like taste of modernism or postmodernism. yeah uh, well I think way. actually like kind of interestingly um, society I don't think did well in the US I think it was a bit of a flop yeah, um, and I think it it did. I think Brian Usen said it, it did really well in the UK and Europe, you know, continental Europe. And he said it was because he thinks kind of British and European audiences um, kind of are more open viewers, basically. You know, kind of yeah. more open to just things being weird and enjoying it for the sake. So the US audience didn't didn't really they didn't really like it. They didn't get it. They didn't really kind of warm to it at all. Wait, is that like? Uh more of a period kind of thing do you reckon like when the, the period it came out or anything mm, I don't know well, it, like it is weird because um, that whole kind of like weird kind of body horror and, and kind of like things morphing and you know you know that all does, does kind of start to come back in in the kind of 80s because the horror gets quite, kind of quite straight laced I think the early 80s you know when the, the kind of slasher film is king um, yeah. I always kind of yeah. like what the Italians were doing in zombie films, but even that's still quite realist and gritty and gory. Um, and then, kind of late eighties, you get things like you know, or as the eighties goes on, you get things like demons, and then you know, Night of the Demons, and um, like from Beyond, and then you have like Videodrome and stuff like that, and it all just kind of starts getting yeah. a bit bit weirder. Um, it's a, actually that's one thing I liked about Society that it kind of alluded to. Uh, I think, like, Paul, you did mention it earlier, like, uh, the, the Ferris Bueller kind of comparison. It, it yeah. sort of alludes to that a bit, and, like, slasher films, in a way. Uh, like, the way it starts off, uh, not necessarily the psychiatry scene, but after the initial credits come up. Um, the bit where, uh, what did you call the the guy who has the dictaphone? Um, Blanchard? Yeah. Yeah, like, where he attacks his sister. Like, it has elements of, like, the slasher film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. It, it points in that direction at the start, but then it sort of yeah. quickly erodes it, but it's yeah. still thrown in, you know. And, and actually, the, the very opening scene, um, whenever there's a POV shot of Billy going into the kitchen at night and getting pulling a knife out of the drawer, it's, it's almost lifted from the opening credit, opening sequence in Halloween. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I like that it sort of, you know, has that element in it, and then sort of quickly it runs with it for a wee while but then just dispenses of it like. yeah, yeah there's a really good um, Fangoria review that I was reading of it um, and one of the things that they said that really stuck out with me was that something to the effect of um, it's kind of slotted into the horror genre by you know just kind of automatically because it doesn't seem to fit anywhere else <laughs> yeah and I think yeah, it's kind of I, true because you don't really think of it as like yeah. a, a horror film but it you kind of can't think of anywhere else it would it would be suited. Um, yeah, I was, was going to ask you guys about that. Like, do you guys think of it as a horror film? Uh, I yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, I agree. I, I, I kind of think yeah, yeah you, you you kind of have to. I mean, it's not really. 
it's not sci-fi enough to be sci-fi I don't think um, yeah. and it's too um, kind of gory and weird to just be like a thriller or a drama or anything like that so yeah I think, I think it kind of has to be horror yeah I, I think I think maybe it, it, I thought maybe it was aiming at like a like an art over mm. over genre at one stage yeah I mean yeah. I, I'd, I'd be very careful about how I talk about those two things but I think it's just really succeeded in making itself a a genre movie, just like a, a strange genre movie, a horror movie. It but is basically uh, art house directed by a genre director. Yeah, and yeah. Genres horror. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it hasn't really worked in a way, but like, yeah, well, it's I'll, an admirable attempt. <laughs> I'll I'll read a, I'll, I'll read the um, the opening of that Fangoria review. Um, it was not really a review. It was it's the start of a feature that on. Um, uh, Brian, I think it's an interview with Brian Usner talking about the, the possible sequel that might be coming out. Cool, cool. Brian Usner's Society is easy, easily one of the strangest damn horror movies ever made, and as a direct result, one of the best. Mm, that's debatable. It's one of those films <laughs> that slots into the horror genre outside of a lack of any other proper genre classification. The project was the directorial debut for Usner, who had previously established himself in the business by producing Stuart Gordon's first string of flicks, starting with Reanimator. Given total directorial freedom, Usner delivered something that is simultaneously a searing satirical comment on America's great class divide, a campy send-up of teen melodrama, a paranoid thriller, and thanks to an unforgettably icky finale, one of the goopiest genre flicks ever made. I wouldn't describe it as a searing satirical comment. No, it's not particularly searing. Mm. It's just, it is a satirical comment, but mm. I, I don't think I don't think uh, anybody was like, yeah. <laughs> back, set back in their plans, Machiavellian plans. By this, yeah. it, it is kind of like a fourteen-year-old who's just discovering left-wing politics is um, depiction yeah. depiction of of class yeah. in America, really, isn't it? I think there there are elements in there though that I think are worthy. Like, um, I quite liked the having the psychiatrist in it, um, but I thought there. I, I don't know if he did it on purpose. But there is definitely a good sort of analogy to modern psychology in general. Of uh, like, for example, like you know the way depression has become a, a massive thing within <clears throat> modern day society. But it's not uh, society that's at fault. It's the person. So they you know fix them by giving them like whatever the drug is at the time, like yeah. whatever antidepressant it is, because that way you're fixing your life so you can go along with what society dictates to you as a standard life. Yeah. So, you know, your nine-to-five job again, which is what I kind of liked about the way the psychiatrist got on with him. You need to fix yourself. It's yeah. it's it's not other people. It's, it's you, which uh, a lot of, I think, a lot of modern psychology tends towards, for the most part. Like yeah, they would yeah. say the, the average work life is the problem. It's you, you need to buck up and sort of... Yeah, think. you're right. Actually, I, I sort of been sort of underappreciating that element because I'd sort of thought, uh, you know, this is just, like, a, a load of American kids probably have psychiatrists and this is probably to, like, appeal, I, was, I think I'm being more cynical, but it's going to, like, appeal to them because they're going to think, like, I'm right, my psych- psychiatrist is, is feeding me bullshit, like, but I, th- I think you're right, I think it, it is making a broader statement. Like, uh, right, it, it might not be on purpose, but, um, but yeah. like, even uh, having a psychiatrist in the first place, uh, I suppose he is he supposed to be a psychoanalyst, like or I'm not sure he doesn't yeah, I really think so. Any, no, any sort of like actual psychotherapy, he just sort, oh, okay. of, sort of undermines him. 
I love Cause, that. Uh, like, because I do think for the most part, like psychoanalysis is a load of bollocks. Well, it is. <laughs> like, but, um, but it was the preserve of the rich, like you know. Uh, yeah. Part, so. Yeah. Um, it was actually I typed in my notes. I'm noticing earlier on is the psychiatrist the best character in the film? Um, oh. And I mean, is he because? He kind of does a lot of the um, kind of. He kind of really helps the narrative along at, at the start, and apparently those scenes with yeah. Billy and the psychiatrist were only were added in afterwards. They weren't initially oh, really? um, uh, included, um, and then he kind of takes the the lead during the kind of shunting um, sequence at the end. You know, chasing yeah, yeah. Billy around. <laughs> it's showtime, Billy. Like, is he actually the best and most enjoyable and more important and well played character in the film? He's possibly yeah the the best or one of the best actors. I actually I think. Dad is also probably he's either a really good actor or he's just like that's he just stumbled onto like the one role he he can just do he just fits quite well yeah but um, he he sort of balances like sinister and banal perfectly you know exactly but yeah I, you're, you're right the psychiatrist does he's definitely one of the more, most interesting characters in it yeah uh, well, I quite like the guy with the cigar as well uh, oh, yeah the, the judge the yeah. Judge. Yeah, but I feel he was underutilized, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I think you could say that about all of them, like Milo. Yeah. Milo, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, any, like, his his sister, Ted Ferguson, um, Clarissa, even. All the, all the, like, all the, none, like, none of the characters were particularly um, well fleshed out or kind of particularly. And, like, like Clarissa is another thing that you kind of end. It is Clarissa, isn't it? The girl he kind of gets Yeah. With, yeah. You, know, you kind of end the film going. Like, so, what was her crack then? Like, yeah, that, that's what I was I was uh, going to come to. Like, uh, what do you call her? I I can never remember her name. Devin. I keep thinking Eamon De Valera, but that's obviously not her name. Eamon De Valera. For any of our non-Irish listeners, Eamon De Valera was Ireland's first celebrity chef. Um, <laughs> so, uh, De, Devin something. Devil or something, maybe is that it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I mean, she talking about Paul. It is, yeah, Devin Devasquez, isn't it? Yeah, Devin Devasquez. Yeah, Yeah, just like her. Um, (laughs) She uh, she obviously like becomes one of the main characters, and she's she's not like not actually bad. Like she's not a bad actress. She's she's quite quite uh, quite compelling. But she does fuck all. what the hell? What is her story? Why is she she's in on it? Yeah, is she in on it? She obviously she her like legs come apart from her torso. Yeah, so she's one of them. She is one of them, and her mother. What is, is with her mum? What's that? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yeah. What is with her mum? I don't know. Like, I mean, her mum looks like she's about a year older than her, but is like obviously got a severe learning disability and. Like, <laughs> it's, like I don't know what's going on there. Like she's just uh, like a massive caricature that seems to be. She's yeah. a Scooby Doo villain. Her mother's like just like a Scooby Doo monster. Yeah, it's bizarre. Well, she just, coughs yeah. up uh, a hairball as well, though. Doesn't yeah, she? that was the thing that I didn't understand because. Arissa does. No, no her, 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 her mum. Well, yeah, her mother coughs up a few hairballs, but she keeps eating hair as well. She keeps eating Milo's hair. Yeah. Was she eating that, or just trying to feel it? I think she was. I think she was trying to grab a hold of it to eat it. I thought, but I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> okay. like Milo yeah. gets into the car, and then the hand comes up and grabs his hair, and he just goes, "Oh, stop that!" And he goes, "You know, like just basically 
she she stops and then he so then he just drives on even though she's still behind him and could still grab his hair. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. You'd go like come up and sit beside me so I can keep an eye on you. I don't want you you skulking about in the fucking back grabbing my hair when I'm trying to drive. Yeah. It's so weird. Like why did why does he get into the car and then bring her with him? There's so much, really? there's so much <laughs> stuff that happens in the film. I'm just like, what the what the fuck is happening now? Like, who's this weird woman who's clearly like doesn't look anything like her daughter and it's just really weird and it's just now in the car with Milo and we don't even know who Milo is because we haven't been properly introduced to him it's like yeah yeah like and there's a bit where like uh, that just directly precedes that where uh, Billy is in he's taken to hospital and he supposedly officially dies I I don't know what I I think at first I was like why why is this happening is this just like flesh out the narrative a bit like He's taken to the hospital where he dies, and then he drives somewhere and leaves Milo. And he goes, he just drives to Clarissa's house, leaves Milo, goes into Clarissa's house, comes back out again. And Milo's there, and then they repeat the exact same scene where he drives off of Milo again, like like maybe three minutes later. And then Milo follows him. Like, what's going on there? He does um, the exact same thing again. Yeah. And then, then I thought about it a bit more, and I thought, okay, they brought him to the hospital so they can have him registered as dead. But, like, how do they. Why? <laughs> and it's like why like do they leave his jeep there for him so he can just drive home again like is he yeah like what's he meant to have died off and then know, like, like really... uh, once he kind of comes out again and he's talking to he's being a bit weird with Milo and he's I'm kind of thinking like I was thinking so is he now part of society or is he not because he seems <laughs> he seems to act a bit weird as if he's he saw everything's fine so you think oh he's obviously part of society but then he's, he's obviously he still wants to get to the bottom of the, of the mystery so you're like well he's not then because he's still on humanity's side, essentially, and then, um, and then like like he goes home to try and talk to his parents. He's just like, if you knew that all that stuff was going on, yeah, why the fuck would yeah. you drive home? Why, would, why yeah. wouldn't you and Milo just leave and just go somewhere yeah. else? Why would you yeah. go home? <laughs> <laughs> there were so many bits of the film that I just was like, this is just so stupid. Like, why is he doing this? Like, at that point, he started like really weird as well, and was like Milo was trying to convince him that he was going to die, and he was all like he was getting really, I don't know, really manic about stuff. But uh, you know. yeah, and like you're right that there's like two two kind of um, scenes in a row where um, Billy drives off on Milo, leaving him standing there, and it just yeah, it's just that just looks so fucking clumsy. Having like, the yeah. same sequence twice, it just looks so fucking clumsy and lazy. It's, it's, it's actually parts of it you just think this is a really really badly made film and then other parts you think oh well, yeah they're actually we're onto something here <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sort of thinking like uh, I, I, it's often a different direction on how bad it is at times the, the cinematography was pretty awful at points like um, but I don't know if that's just me uh, I've been to see uh, seen most of the Oscar nominated films this year and like I don't know if it's just modern film but uh, m- most modern films now have someone who's an expert at cinematography. Yeah. So every single scene is meticulously planned. And maybe I'm just used to that now, but when yeah. I watch older films, you just see how little effort they put into that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, I wonder, is that always is that always a good thing, you know? Because, like, you, I was you get... that as well, yeah. You do get, like, kind of really renegade cinematography that really pays off. Actually... Just Franco? Um, Jess Franco. <laughs> also, to go back to Selena and Julie goes boating, uh, go boating, uh, is, that I was talking about earlier, uh, 
I think it was the, the cinematography they used. It was his first ever film, and it's it's really really strangely shot, but it's just, it's beautiful. You know, it just works really well because he doesn't really know what he's doing. It's a lot of it's improvised and stuff. It's not really planned, and it just works. But there are other examples like this where it's just just pish. Mm. Mm. Well, there's like uh, I suppose like even Black Christmas though, like uh, where they put the camera on the guy's back, you know, and had him sneak. Oh, yeah. I mean that looks amazing. And yeah, I don't does, think yeah. they put much. They didn't put too much effort into how that was going to look. You know, they just put a camera on a guy's back and really hoped for the best. Yeah, uh, it yeah, it worked. Yeah, it really worked. Um, but there's points in this where it just looks kind of awful. But then there's other points where, especially the end scene, like there's there's points where that just looks like some sort of Renaissance painting. Like it's like the way they shot it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like like even like a Leonardo painting, like the Last Supper kind of yeah. sort of thing, but but it's a big goopy mess instead. <laughs> I, I, I do kind of wonder like how film, maybe films like you know Human Centipede have um, been influenced by films like that because it, it it is ultimately building towards this monstrous, ridiculous set piece at the end, isn't it? Everything's building up to that, and that's the same with Human Centipede. It's like the whole point of sitting through the the development of the story is because at the end of the film we're going to finally see the fucking horrendous human centipede scene. Well, yeah. see, I had, I actually had, I came to this completely as a complete blank slate. I had no idea that <laughs> that that was about to happen. I had absolutely no idea that there was anything like that in this film. So it was a complete surprise to me, which uh, was was a good surprise, mm. but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think, I think I knew there was something sexual and like, like an orgy. Yeah, that, I that's I was, what I. That's I think I was I, expecting something more like um, eyes wide shut. Um, I think on IMDb it says uh, when Billy comes comes home early to one of his parents' parties, he gets the surprise of his life, not for the weak stomach, weak of stomach, or something like that. Mm. Mm. Um, and I thought, all right, so they're writing a sister or something, but uh, <laughs> which they were, but. Uh, <laughs> but in like a, a weird riding his sister <laughs> yeah, I, I actually watched Eyes Wide Shut recently enough for the first time it's good it's, it's, I was really surprised just how good it is it's scary. Um, I've actually never seen it I, I remember people saying it was really shit but I think it was like yeah, that's, movies for like Heat Magazine and stuff probably that's that's what I heard I, I, I heard it was like his worst film and stuff yeah. etc et et it's, it's uh, really creepy yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I, I I think it was built up to be more like controversial for me. Like, it was. I mean, I, I, certain yeah. certainly the the uh, trailer. Um, and I don't know what Kubrick thought of the trailer, but the trailer definitely makes it look like it's kind of like a, a home video of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman having sex, doesn't it? It kind of yeah. it makes it look <laughs> like this is the big thing. You know, you're going to see Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. That's what the trailer is kind of saying to you, and then you watch it, and there's there really there's really very little nudity. You know, yeah. considering the subject matter, I suppose they're quite comparable. Actually, the two films aren't they in a way? Yeah, it's like there is a secret society kind of thing, yeah, and they all meet up and have sex. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Eyes Wide Shut's uh, definitely better. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder do most secret societies end up that way because like is it just like once you've got a secret society on the go do you sort of get to the point where you're like right what do we do now and somebody's like 
have sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the next, you know, what do we do now that nobody can ever find out about? Well, paddle yeah. each other. So we can either bank. all have sex or murder someone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's have a vote. Yeah. Why? Why not both? <laughs> yeah. Why not both? Um, I suppose, like, uh, I guess it is a reference, like, uh, in a way to like uh, the Bilderberg Group and stuff, isn't there? And, yeah. Yeah. Are they like? There's like rumors of conspiracies where they have yeah. mad orgiastic parties and stuff. There was. Did you ever see like John Ronson? John Ronson uh, has a, a book, Them, where he talk. He, I think it has an article um, where he talks about uh, going to see Bilderberg, but he made a documentary about it as well, and he basically sneaks in quite without without much much hassle, really, sneaks into uh, a Bilderberg conference with. Um, Alex Jones, you know the fucking oh that madman, yeah, um, and they they end up sort of you mean the Welsh girl from up. the one show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they sort of team up out of like just like kind of stand there in the periphery together and think like well they they don't really know each other but they think well sure we'll we'll make a break for this together because you know we're both got the same same aims, but um, John Ronson's summary and Alex Jones' summary are like like fucking complete polar opposites of each other. It's like John Ronson's just like, well, it's just a bunch of rich guys just just getting drunk and like standing around a statue of an oil. And <laughs> that's pretty much what the entire thing is about. Like, And Alex Jones saw the exact same thing and was like, this is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. This is like, you know, satanic worship of blah, 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 blah. Uh, This is, you know, <laughs> these guys are, are planning the, the, the downfall of the world. And I, I, I know it because I've seen it. With my own eyes and John Ronson's like I didn't see any of that like and I'm standing right beside you, <laughs> you know. Hmm. It's it's um, it's just uh Um yeah, so we were we were talking about the the weird secret society stuff, so um the clip I'm gonna play is the the audio recording of um Billy's sister's coming out party. Beautiful. I put a voice actuated tape recorder underneath your parents' car and a microphone in Jenny's ear. You bought my family? I remember my own coming out. I was so excited. Then you can do it with women as well as men. Of course. Uh, you know the schedule. First we dine, then copulation. With someone your own age first. Then with your mother and me. Then in comes the host. You'll be ready. Uh, you know, I could hardly keep a straight face when Bill apologized to me about not being able to make it tonight. <laughs> Don't be concerned about your brother, Jen. He's too busy with things in his own world to worry about arm. You really lucked out, Jen. Ted Ferguson is really cute for our first partner. Ted Ferguson? Ted Ferguson? Yeah, Jenny and Ferguson. That's just the beginning. Here, listen. Wow, your boobs look totally sexy. Guys are going to pop high ones the second they see you. I'm a little nervous, though. It's fine. Oh, relax, Jenny. Just go with it. It's so much fun to see how far you can stretch. Yeah, the hotter and wetter you get, the more you can do. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so for a film that is... It's built out of metaphor and, like, subtext and, like, issues and it tackles... It tackles, a, like, it tackles like, social problems head-on. There's surprisingly little to sort of decipher from it. It's it's like it's one clear cut metaphor that just stretched over like what an hour and forty minutes or something. Yeah, um, and yeah. I, I know. I mean, like 
you know, like a film like The Devils, you know, you, yeah, I feel that we could have, we could have talked for like six hours about the devils. Um, I still every time we do a podcast, I still just want to sort of like go back and chat <laughs> up the devils. Um, I think maybe we should do like a devils revisited. Yeah, yeah. why not? So fucking good, like <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> I was very surprised by that film. Actually, uh, I wasn't prepared for it to be that good. Yeah, yeah. neither was I. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I actually thought it was just going to be like a really gruesome horror, but yeah. fuck, it's so good, like. Yeah. Um. There was one funny thing though that you said, uh, D, uh, during the week when we were talking about society, and you said, um, "I wonder, uh, I wonder at what point people actually stopped wearing those baggy suits." Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're hitting us like aren't they? And, just... and the thin ties. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you just... doing? You look so shit. That's There's bizarre. Like, <laughs> Billy is like wearing a suit, and oh, just I remember so crap, doesn't he? myself. His suit isn't that baggy, which made me then think, "Fuck, all the suits in this are really baggy." <laughs> 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 His baggy suit is notably But I think, like, fashion, it's kind of cyclical, isn't it, as well? It's sort of... Yeah, we always think something's ridiculous, and then it goes out of fashion and comes back eventually. Yeah, like the mullet. Yeah, I wonder if that will come back. Like, Well, like, even, like, the modern trendy haircuts today, are those ones, like, during wartime? Or try, like, sorry, the First World War... Like, you know, that's shaved at the sides and, like, lots of gel on top, like the comb-over. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. they're really popular today. Yeah, like, yeah uh, And they were, like, in the, the 20s and yeah. 30s. It was a really trendy haircut. I know, and, like, in the 90s, all the, all the Britpop stuff kind of, you know, harked back to, like, uh, kind of <laughs> mod, you know, mod kind of haircuts, like yeah. Paul Weller, Paul, yeah. Paul Weller's shit haircut. That's the thing, if you look at, like, celebrities from the 90s now, they just look ridiculous. Know, it's... Exactly. But at the time, I remember thinking, you know, oh, he looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think a good rule of thumb, I think, because this thing, like, fashion trends seem to have stopped so, so fucking, like, so much in the last sort of generation or so, I think a good rule of thumb is now, if something seems really dated, probably actually just about to become really fucking cool within the next six months exactly so baggy suits we're laughing at them now but like I mean (laughs) I've already taken out my seams like you know (laughs) just remember the uh, I think it was what's he called Justin Timberlake Britney Spears yeah they they, remember their denim ensemble no it was became very famous at one point double denim yeah, they they both wore denim outfits. <laughs> some awards ceremony. It was in all the newspapers at the time. Like, but you can, <laughs> anybody who's listening to this can Google this just to see how ridiculous <laughs> it looks now. <laughs> but at the time, they were the shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was really bad. I remember really laughing at my friend Ray uh, uh, for wearing like a leather jacket and and uh, denim shorts about six years ago and uh, it looked ridiculous and now that is like I don't know well actually it's gone past being super super cool and like being again, but, uh. yeah I mean it's kind of hard for me to tell what reality is actually like because I have quite a, quite a few drinks at this stage um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering have we actually covered the film in enough enough detail well, are we done um yeah, I'd say we probably are one. Like I was just going to mention the the cast and the sort of influence of the film. Uh, like the cast, I don't think I've seen any of the cast in anything well, ever your, again. Well, your man was in Baywatch, wasn't he? Who? Apparently, Billy. 
Billy Warlock? Yeah. Or well, see, I didn't really watch Baywatch. I've seen I've seen Baywatch, obviously, but I actually thought he was all right. You know, like this, he was uh, bad. Yeah, he was. It was, yeah. fine. It was okay. I think like there was people around him who were just awful, and I think that made him look better. Possibly, yeah, I think so. I think his his mate Milo. I think actually, now that I think about it. Do you think he was chosen because he looked like Screech from Saved by the Bell? Really Saved by the Bell. Screech from the Bell. <laughs> I can see that, actually. Yeah, I really like the Screech. And actually, the judge and the psychiatrist sort of look a bit like Mr. Belding. Is that a coincidence? Oh, yeah. Mr. Hay. <laughs> and actually, Emma Devilla. Sir Slater. Rear woman, Eamon Devon. Um, I looked her up on Wikipedia and she has uh, she's from Irish descent as well so, is she really? yeah. I actually thought she was black in the first first time I saw her and, uh, her, her father was from Spain her mother apparently is of Irish descent and there you go so I don't I don't, I don't, I don't know the she's written a few books but they all yeah. look really really shit hmm. so <laughs> Like in terms of a sequel, it's one of those films where you kind of think, "Why bother?" Like, yeah. Would, like, would, would anyone give a fuck if you if you made a sequel? No, I, I probably wouldn't. I, when I was watching it, I was like, "This is the kind of movie that's like things in this movie are happened that are sort of iconic enough to be referenced in popular culture again." But I don't think I've ever come across a reference that I'm aware of that has ever come from society. No, definitely not. Like, like, like The Simpsons, for example. Like, you know. Simpsons yeah. re- you know, reference like like an infinite amount of stuff, but I don't think they've ever mm. referenced anything. Like that. And I mean, or, or South Park, or a- any any anything like one of those like cultural reference generator things that or <laughs> cycler things that. Yeah, I mean, um, Arrow gave it a really good release last year. Oh, yeah. Did they? Yeah, like a, like a like a DVD Blu Ray combo release with. Like yeah. documentaries, limited edition as well. Yeah, documentaries, commentary by Yuzna, you know, just everything like the the whole shebang. Really, really good re- remastering yeah. and everything. And I just, I would never really have thought that it was it was worthy of that. Really, yeah. Um, to be honest, I think you. like I think that last scene though, like it, it must hold some sort of iconic value with people. Definitely. Like I, it, I think it resonates more. Like the the end scene, just it must resonate with people as a cultural uh, sort of, or sorry, within uh, the cult audience. Like, it seems to have something. Like you know, that final scene, it, it's definitely remained a bit of a symbol. Yeah, yeah but it's just like, is it one of those one? Is it one of those films where it's just like it is? It is just building towards that set piece, you know, yeah. and everything else is a bit weak, and you're just kind of going, oh, let's just get to the human centipede bit at the end. <laughs> I, I as as I said before, I had absolutely no idea that was coming, and uh, it was pretty shocking. And uh, it's not; it's kind of one of the only things I remember about the film. But uh, it it sort of almost like made it two different films, you know. It almost sort of jarred. You know? It didn't jar really, but um, I always said if if you're going to like if you're going to put something very bold into. Uh, into like a piece of art or a piece of work, you should like you need to work in a way to like make your audience receptive to it. Mm. And I don't think that was really done, you know. So it did mm. sort of jar a little bit, I suppose. But uh, mm. yeah. obviously, you, you don't want to blow the, the surprise either. But actually, I don't know. It, it was quite effective. Um, I think it, 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 was, yeah. it was really effective. Yeah. But like we're 
and, it, and it was actually quite disturbing like when you consider what's actually happening to Blanchard and yeah. you know, he's being all deformed and then eventually swallows so the, 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 Blanchard the... <laughs> why why is the the final thing they do to their victims why why do they fist them to death what is that about? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> is that a they don't seem to get anything from yeah. that that you can see and like you know, as we said before, like nothing's really kind of resolved or explained. So, who fucking knows? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm just guessing that they were going for shock value more yeah, than yeah. anything else. Like, what do we do? Just fist yeah. and just like ridiculous <laughs> visual, visual effects as well. Um, yeah. But in terms of like relatability, Paul, I, I think like I, I was reading something recently. Um, I started reading this book uh, called it's called Capitalist Realism. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting. It's it's quite a short book, uh, if anybody ever wants to read it. But uh, it's in reference to, you know, socialist realism. Like yeah. in the USSR, they had all the paintings and mm. just trying to relate it to everyday life. Yeah. Uh, but this, yeah. this guy's trying to point out that within capitalism and within popular uh, media, uh, the, very, the, the sort of opposite takes place, that uh, rebelliousness is a, a factor of, like, popular culture. Um, sort yeah. of like, you know, the, he he talks about Wally in particular, in the Disney Pixar film. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's a very good film in what it does. Like you know, it's uh, like well, have you seen it, Dan? No. I don't know if you're a Pixar fan, uh, you've seen it, Paul. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but uh, it, it's very good. I would recommend watching it. But uh, it is good. It, yeah, it's a good critique on modern society. Like, and it does that job very well. But I, I think the the guy's trying to make the point that it it does it so well though that. People uh, who are like uh, who identify with it, like that's their way of living their rebelliousness through yeah, film. As, as far as they take it, yeah. Watching that and, film, yeah, and that's the function of the film to serve that purpose for them. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like Diet Coke. You know, it's it's you don't actually have to diet. That that, that does it for you. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. in a way, like, but yeah, that, that's, that's his point. The whole it, like, you know. it doesn't encourage any further rebellion. It just yeah. It just sort of it gives you a release. And... Yeah, like where they live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the uh, catharsis it's... that you feel whenever Nada goes into the bank and shoots shoots them all. Like you, yeah. you feel a catharsis. Yeah. And it's, it's not like an gonna... indictment of them. You know, it's uh, it's oh, it's Mark Fisher, right? Um, but he he references like you know a lot of different philosophers like Baudrillard and was Zizek as well. <laughs> Classic Zizek. <laughs> Always Zizek. <laughs> but it. It is very good, though. It's it's a very easy read, too. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm look it up. Okay, now, lads. Is there anything else anyone wants to say about society? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I don't know. I um, No, I, I think I think we've covered all the main... I think we've covered all the points worthy of cover, really. Okay. I, I kind of want to talk about this beer, though. This McKellar Pilsner style beer. Delicious. <laughs> it comes in a big can, like Carlsberg style can, but yeah. uh, it's such a like a sort of ornate style can that uh, it makes you feel like you're drinking something really special rather than just like a big can of Carlsberg. Uh, Who's uh, what brewery is that? Mikeller. Uh, Mikeller. Um, Danish. Who? Are, yeah, but they're, they're like they're sort of like a, they're like a gypsy brewery, aren't they? So they just like they don't actually have their own premises. They just like. Oh, I didn't like, know that. Stuff with, with other other breweries, I think. I, I know. I, th- I think they've got like a bar in, in Copenhagen. Do they? Oh, cool. I, I think so. Yeah, my my cousin goes out with a guy who goes, like, goes to Copenhagen on business. 
and yeah. then he, he's been to their bar ah oh. cool it's lovely stuff yeah uh, and actually the yeah, the uh, the can itself has a nice design which I think might tie into your next film which we'll come to soon ooh <laughs> keeping the keeping the listener uh Glued to the yeah. fucking laptop. I don't know. <laughs> there aren't any listeners anywhere. Everybody's fucking. Unlike our podcast. Okay. Well, um, what, what I'm going to do is um, I need to, I need to do a P. So what I'm going to do okay. is I'm going to play a clip of um, Billy's family being really weird. This is whenever Billy's just coming home and he's going to tell his family about Blanchard having been killed, and his family are just completely fucking nonchalant about the whole thing. And that's yeah. They, cool. they kind of give right. themselves away. So, go for it. Guess what? Telegram came for you. Listen, Jenny, something bad happened today. Oh, come on. Don't you want to open it? Go ahead. Read it. Mr. William Whitney, you're cordially invited to a party to be given at the residence of Theodore S. Ferguson. (gasps) Wow! This evening, 15th of October at 8 p.m., Cordially, Ted the Tycoon Ferguson. Sounds like some bash, son. But be careful on the drinking and driving. Oh, that home is just beautiful. Maurice Arnaud did most of the interiors, and he says it's his best work today. Ah. Um, you guys don't understand. I'm trying to tell you something. We know all about the, the automobile accident, son. It's terrible. Oh. Just terrible. Oh, my. It just... I don't think you you quite understand here. David's dead. Jenny. I know, I'm really gonna miss him. That's it. You're really gonna miss him. Look, I know the guy freaked out after you dumped him, but come on, still. Listen, I'd rather not talk about it, please. So, what are you gonna wear? You mean to the funeral? No, you weirdo. To the Ferguson's party. All right, Ferguson. Um. Okay, so I think we've reached the stage where we're going to do our final reviews. Now, yeah. How many, um, yeah. Huh? How many clips did we get in? Uh, two. Oh, okay. It's actually uh, funny because, like, because I kind of like watch the films and kind of prepare the audio for for the, the compilation and the clips and stuff. It actually gives you good insight into like the dialogue in the film because sometimes, like you know, when you finish, you got like you know eight or nine different clips you can use because the dialogue's so good and so heavy. But yeah. in this film, I struggled to get two. <laughs> two clips. Yeah. Um. So, um. Yeah. Mark's out of seventeen. Um. Young David, you can go first. Uh. Jeez. Uh, I'll go for. Can I go for a half, like something and a half? Yeah. Aye, why not? <laughs> uh, seven and a half, I think. Oh, wait, no, no, I'll go eight and a half. Eight and a half. Eight, eight and a half. half. So yeah. you've got eight and a half seconds? Okay, okay three, two, one, go. Um, I think the, there was a good idea behind the whole thing, but I think ultimately it failed. But uh tried to make up for it with the final set piece. Stop. But, oh. <laughs> Okay, uh, Crazy P? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like I, I, I could be being too harsh on it because it, it, 
I sort of feel like it's a better movie than I enjoyed, if you know what I mean. I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have enjoyed it. So I sort of feel like I'm cheating it, but I mean, but what does it care like? I mean, <laughs> but it's, I don't, it doesn't know me anything. I don't know it anything. Uh, so, okay. Uh, I'll go about 17.9. Okay. That's just above 50%. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Uh, yeah. Three, two, one, go. I think it took uh, a solid metaphor and it stretched it out over way too long. And uh, I enjoyed Done. having watched it more than I watched it. <laughs> cool. Or that I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> okay. Now, I think... Um, how am I going to give it below 50%? I think I think for me to give a film below fifty percent, it has to be really, really shit. And I don't think society like is really really like shit. a Jess Franco film. No way. <laughs> um, Can anybody remember what our worst has been? Um, probably Deadly one, Blessing. Deadly Blessing. Uh, yeah. No one, no one liked Deadly Blessing. <laughs> yeah, I thought I liked it until I tried to talk about it, and I was like, Yeah, ah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so well, my score for society would be eight. Okay. Well, are you ready for your your eight second review then? Yeah. Okay. Go. Should have been better than it was. Better on paper, I think. Uh, shit, kind of late eighties production and didn't care didn't care about the characters. Too many too many plot holes. Done. <laughs> there you go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's society. Done. The ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate review of society, like like actual society or the film. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think they were inextricably linked. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've solved a lot of problems here tonight. Set the world to right, lads. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, uh, Chrissy P, it's your turn next for to, is, to pick the film. Is, and I've been What's deliberate since way before Christmas, and I've gone through a few final choices, but. When it came down to it, it was between two, two great films. Well, one one film I know is great. One film I have no idea if it's great because I haven't seen it yet. But one was Quatermass in the Pit, Yay. which uh, I rewatched again recently and I fucking loved it. And uh, I, it was definitely going to be it. But I've been really, I've had a massive appetite for like completely fucking crazy narrative and narrativeless films and books and music and stuff. Recently, and I've been listening to a lot of Pharaoh Sanders and Sunra, and like uh, reading. Don't know who that is. And stuff. <laughs> Sunra, Alice Coltrane, amazing. Mm. Uh, Alice Coltrane, uh, I, I meant to say as well. Um, listening to a lot of a lot of crazy eccentric shit recently, and reading a lot of crazy eccentric shit, and I really wanted to go for a crazy eccentric movie, mm-hmm. so, one that I've never seen before, but its reputation for sitting the first time I heard of it was when a friend of mine was DJing in a bar and he was using it using it as visual display uh, in the bar behind his DJ set and he got kicked out of the bar because so offensive. <laughs> so uh, that uh, made me really want to see it and I'd never managed to track it down until now. And it is Alejandro Jodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. Yay. Which Ian, I believe you've seen, and D, I don't think you have. I haven't seen that. No. 
Excellent. But I've always wanted to watch his films. I have never yeah. seen El Topo either. So. No, neither have I. I. I bought El Topo for a friend, actually, uh, for Christmas a few years ago, and I, I, I never got to see it. But, yeah, I, I've seen three of his films. Those two, and then also Santa Sangre. Um, El, yeah, Top, El, Topo, like El Topo was put out by, by Tartan. Do you remember Tartan? Yeah. They were mad into their kind of um, J-horror. Yeah. Uh, and they folded like maybe about five or six years ago. Um, um, but yeah, they, they put out El Topo and um, both it and Holy Mountain are, are quite long and um, very, very weird. Um, very art house. Um, and then Santa Sangre is a bit more linear, a bit more easy to kind of comprehend and also was made with in collaboration with uh, Claudio Argento who oh, yeah. um, was Argento's brother or uncle can't remember <laughs> but anyway Bro- father yeah. Fuck, yeah I can't remember actually but anyway so he yeah. um, he worked on uh, Santa Sangre with Yudorovsky and it's a fucking brilliant film um, the, yeah. there's like a few kind of um, murder set pieces that are just completely like you look like you're, it looks like you're watching Suspiria but with the with the madness of uh, Yudorovsky it's brilliant 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 right, film so it, it's, it's like a Yudorovsky Cello kind of it, it feels like it, um, but I mean, it's not it's not fifty fifty. This like it was mostly a Yudorovsky film, but then there's just these kind of flashes yeah. of this kind of Italian kind of you know kind of giallo aesthetic. Is um, uh, is El Topo? Is it? It always seems to get <clears throat> like I don't know if this is unfairly so, but it seems to get like lumped in with uh, like the spaghetti westerns sometimes. Is, uh, or is, is there any relation there? It is. It is a western. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's a western. Of, is that it though? Like, but uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. It, it probably was like a like sort of same era as like spaghetti, like a lot of spaghetti westerns. But, yeah, uh, I think it was. Um, but to, I mean, to be honest with you, like um, I watched those two Yudorovsky films in uni when I was about. Uh, so that probably be about. Uh, can't remember what year it is. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it was about like ten ten years ago or something. I saw. Yeah, which is pretty depressing, um, and I haven't seen it since. So I think actually the Holy Mountain and El Topo are getting mixed up in my oh. mind together. From what I can remember, yeah, El Topo is is about like a really horrendous um, cowboy who's really evil and stuff, and then he kind of undergoes this spiritual awakening and becomes a good person. But that could also easily be Holy Mountain. I may be getting the two okay. mixed up. So it will actually be, it will actually be good to to, to watch um, them again. I see. Uh, yeah, that's El Topo. Uh, El Topo decides to confront yeah, yeah, yeah. Warrior Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Holy Mountain uh, is somebody trying to topple the gods of the solar system. Yeah. I think this is what uh, the, the idea behind that is. So it's uh, yeah. not some not the kind of film I've ever really seen before, but it has yeah. a, seems to have a lot of a lot of mental religious imagery and uh, a crucified goats and stuff. Mm. And... Uh, and yeah, a lot of like naked people bowing before men in weird hats. Yeah, which I, I actually yeah, this this beer can, which reminded me of it, is like a man in a black hat with a load of angels flying in and out of his mouth, which sort of seems like kind of shit. You got to rescue him. Come on. Actually, he uh, is, uh, signed on to direct uh, June at one stage. He yeah. did direct June. He's good. There is a a Jodorowsky June. Uh, it's actually out there. It's meant to be amazing. Yeah. Uh. Um. 
But uh, there's a universal box set you could buy on Amazon, which I was about to buy, but I realized then that all all the subtitles are in Spanish, so um, or Italian, so uh, uh, it's but it's for me having jam for an Italian Spaniard. Okay. But um, yeah, it's Italian fill your boots. Yeah, definitely. There are two of them left on Amazon, which uh, there was nearly one left today until I, I or last week until I got got a hold of myself but uh, yeah I'm pretty excited I actually he's got a novel just been trans- a couple of novels actually translated into English recently so I bought one of them today which I've read where the bird sings best um, it's being compared to Garcia Marquez oh. and, uh, kind of realism but I, I read a, an interview with him in the quietest recently and he came across more like Pualo Coelho which made me kind of a bit wary so I don't know I don't know what to expect this novel but uh, it's an in- interesting interview he seems fucking mental but not <laughs> not always in a brilliant way but the films look good so I'm excited yeah it, it, it'll be a different one. it'll be a difficult one to talk about I think <laughs> yeah yeah um, cool um, well yeah I guess we've, we've covered society and, and we know what we're doing next week so I guess it's time to sign off for the lads yeah I'm not allowed. <laughs> Up yours. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> Good. Fuck a lot. Um yeah, so do you guys wanna, you know, say goodbye and stuff? No. <laughs> not really. <laughs> do, you, do you wanna say goodbye? No. Uh, I'm gonna go read zoo and nuts. That's what lads do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. <Girl. laughs> 1999, lads. Do they still exist? I have no idea. I don't know. I think, I think it's the Bible. I think FHM had its last um, print issue recently. Um, did it really? Yeah. Oh. And I think Loaded folded a while ago as well. Playboy even, didn't it? it Set a pun on purpose? Or, or Playboy <laughs> went to went totally digital recently, didn't it? I uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they all, they all are. Yeah. So, listeners, that's, that's a moral for you. Take that home. <laughs> On that note, on that bombshell, we will sign off and um, be sure, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you uh, make a great contribution to society. Yeah, absolutely. Do. Um, volunteer at your local homeless shelter or uh, oh, go become become a vicar or something. Yeah. Uh, or if you're David Cameron, kill yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Or, or George Osborne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, Jeremy Hunt. Oh, that guy. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) See you next time. Lots of love.
think you need And when you think more than you want Your thoughts begin to bleed I think I need to find a bigger place Cause when you have more than you think You need more space Society Your crazy breed Hope you're not lonely without me Society, crazy and deep Hope you're not lonely without me